I'm glad you're here. And uh, one of the things that, that is happening here at Crosspoint is we're also starting trimester two officially today for our growth groups. Big round of applause. Look at that. Whoa, everybody's excited. All right, yeah, yeah. It doesn't count when I have to ask you to applaud. It doesn't count. Forget it. But uh, hopefully we're all in tune with that. I know it kind of, you know, we're looking forward to it and we're prepping for it and then it just kind of shows up and we feel like we're not ready. But we have the books available right outside. Make sure you pick up a copy. Um, if there's any issue about the payment, talk to us. You can pay online. Uh, if, if funds are not available at the moment, just let us know. We'll be happy to cover that cost for you. We really would... Uh, and actually, let me say thank you for those of you who donated extra money as you bought a book. My sister was telling me that several people were saying, you know what, just keep the change or here's an extra for uh, amount, certain amount for, for anybody who might need that. So don't feel bad about asking for a book if, if you know, finances are an issue right now. We, we uh, would love the opportunity to help you with that. And so since trimester two begins... So it's funny because I get people asking me questions that I feel like, what do you mean? Like, you should know that already. I've been talking about that for months, uh, about growth groups. So let me tell you really quick, because some of you, I'm almost certain, really have no idea what we're talking about when we say growth groups. Some of you are totally in, and you've experienced trimester one, and you're excited about trimester two. Others of you have signed up. Did you know that as of now, there's close to 30 new people that are signing up to growth groups? New people. So we're right around 150 growth group members, which is great, really wonderful. Um, we really think it's important. It, 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 you know, if you really buy into to this idea of committing to growing a small group, it'll be very difficult for you to mess that up. I'll tell you that right now, all right? But you have to commit. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to put in the time. Uh, as we sing to the Lord, if you want my heart, you know, he's not just going to come and take it. We have to give it to him. We have to dedicate ourselves. We have to commit to following him. He wants us to love him with all of our heart. And that requires a decision and commitment to love him. And I'm saying that part of that commitment could very well be being part of a growth group. And tell you what, if not here, somewhere else. I know many of you are in BSF. I have no problem promoting that. If you're going to be in a group where you're going to be studying the Word, or, or anywhere else. I've, I've taken classes <laughs> everywhere, wherever there's an opportunity that fits my schedule and they're teaching the Word. I want to be there, and I want to take those classes. I want to learn. I want to grow. And so, if not here, somewhere else. But don't try to do the Christian life by yourself. So, growth groups are basically this. Today, you're going to hear a sermon entitled, The Word of God. If you get the book, your assignment is going to be to read chapter 1 and 10. And those chapters have to do with the Word of God. And then wherever you sign up to a growth group, you're going to meet once a week for about an hour and a half. They might be online, they might be in person, or they might be a hybrid form. You sign up, you're committed to this group, you show up, whether online or in person, and then you're going to, you're going to spend time in prayer, you're going to spend time uh, where the leaders are going to teach a little bit, and then you're going to have an opportunity to ask questions. Very valuable. Ask questions. Share. Uh, not just share, like, the awesome insights that you found, but maybe share some of your doubts, some of your questions, some of your concerns, and, and, and have everybody as a group be committed to that growth, to help each other, encourage one another. Um, keep each other accountable. So important. Keeping each other accountable. And just by signing up to a group, you said, keep me accountable. 
Your growth group leaders will ask, you know, I didn't see you on Sunday. Everything okay? And sometimes you might even resent that because you're hiding and you want to be left alone. But then that's, those are the times when we need our brothers and sisters to come along and say, hey, I don't see you. What's going on? And hopefully you could be humble enough to admit that you need some help. Have you guys ever heard the song, Lean on Me? It's brand new. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For some reason, I've been listening to that song. I downloaded it through my Apple Music. And, and every time I hear it, I want to cry. Anybody there with me? Okay, okay, I see some people. Thank you, Leanne, because I was doubting myself there for a minute. Listen to that song. Listen to that song, especially the original one. I don't know if that's the original one, but uh, listen to that song. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. If you need faith that you can borrow, if I have faith that you can borrow, give me a call because I'm going to help you, and then later on I'm gonna, you're going to help me. That's not what it says, but something like that, right? That's the mic version right there. That's a new version. All I'm saying is when we become children of God by God's grace, we are made and adopted to be part of God's family. And the Bible says that we're a body of many members, yet one body, and we need to help each other. We're going to grow by being there for one another during the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's what growth groups are about. So you sign up, you show up once a week, you commit to reading, you commit to coming to church, preferably, or if you can't make it, watch the service online. And then when you meet, you're going to be taught, you're going to get a chance to share what you've read, uh, maybe what you heard here. And it's just going to be a community that is committed, small community of committed believers to follow the Lord and grow spiritually. That's it. All right. We think that's pretty simple, but essential. So pick up a book, sign up. I'll be out there during the break. Talk to me if you have any questions. And uh, let's get going on trimester two. I know there's one group that meets on Sunday now, and they'll be meeting tonight. Um, and so if you haven't picked up the book, you're behind two chapters already. Hey. All right. You got time. You got time. Let me share with you the fact that next week is Mother's Day, and we want to we wanna recognize our moms and um, have something a little special for you. And, and within the message, we want to include a word to moms specifically because we think moms are pretty awesome, right? If you're here, it's because you have a mom. And uh, uh, most, for some of us, she may be alive. For many of us, perhaps, she has now gone to be with the Lord. Uh, there are people of faith. But we want to recognize motherhood and just say thank you for what you do. Um, and, and I love knowing you, the fact that I know all of you because, or you know, 99.9% of you perhaps, because I know some of your struggles. I know, you know, we have moms here that have five little ones or four little ones under eight or something like that, right? Uh, talking about you, Alicia. And other people that are expecting, and, and, and man, when I, when I hear about the struggles and the joys and our, what I see is opportunities to bless each other, to help each other. And, and I just want to let you know, we, we need to grow as a family. And when we put in all the gifts that God has given us individually, together, to help and bless one another, we are going to grow individually and as a church and as a body of Christ for God's glory. We're going to grow. We're going to see God doing some amazing things as he is already. So I'm completely excited. So I say that also so that you can invite a mom sure you know some moms out there, right? Maybe invite a mom next week. will be a good opportunity. Say, hey, we're going to have something special for moms, and why don't you come? We have, tell them we have child care. That's really a big deal. I don't know if you guys know that. If you have little ones and you tell them we have child care, not a lot of churches have child care right now. We have child care, and 
we may need more volunteers for childcare now that I say that, but that'll be okay. All right, so invite, invite some moms out there. It's a good opportunity to invite people to church. And they'll hear the gospel. <clears throat> That's it. That's all I want to share. So um, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, so that we can take communion here together. If you didn't pick one of these up, come on, you got to remember. If you didn't pick one up, just raise your hand, and we'll have somebody come by and uh, provide you one. So you can, if you wish to take communion with us this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Look at this beautiful portion here. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. And the author here is speaking about the Lord's work in bringing people to salvation. And verse 14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken the flesh and blood, he, Jesus, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Through his death on the cross, it says, he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That's what happened at the cross. Verse 15 says, And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Very interesting. Let me ask you a real simple question. Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of dying? And here it says that people that were subject to this fear, listen to what he says again, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, the number one fear I think is still, if people are honest, is the fear of dying. And I don't know what your experience has been, but I remember as a child, maybe seven years old, thinking a lot about death. And it was a depressed, I still remember those feelings of feeling depressed and, and anxious about the fact that I can die any minute and not knowing what's going to happen. Even though I had grown up in church and I knew about Jesus, but that information in my head hadn't traveled to my heart. And it says here that through Jesus' death on the cross, he released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I'm not saying that if you're afraid of dying, there's no way you can be a Christian, but one very good indication that you have understood the gospel and you do have a thriving, living, real relationship with God, is that you're no longer afraid of death. Death no longer has dominion, and we learn that by studying the Scriptures. Because, verse 14 says, that he, Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same, meaning he took flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And eventually, as we grow in our in our uh, spiritual walk, we can come to the point where, like Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he understood that to be absent of the body would be to be present with the Lord. And so that becomes this new reality and hope and assurance that though we may enjoy this life or though we may going through sufferings and hardships in this life, there's going to be a time we have this living hope that when this life ends, we have eternity to enjoy in his presence. And eternity, by definition, means forever. 
But it's all because of what Jesus did at the cross as he took on flesh and blood. And so when we take these elements that represent, in this case, the bread, as you peel back the first layer, you take the bread that is unleavened as a representation of the holy, perfect body of our Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. It represents his body, and he asks us to take this in his memory, so let's do that together. The Jews represents the blood, the very life of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on our behalf. Let's take that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your wonderful blessings. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here. What a blessing, what a joy, what a privilege to be able to gather this way on a Sunday morning in order that we would worship you, sing praises unto you, for you're worthy. And then submit ourselves to your authority under your scriptures as we listen to your word being preached. Holy Spirit, we pray for your guidance, we pray for your help, that your word would would find an open mind and an open heart, ready to receive it, accept it, and obey it, and live it out. I thank you and I ask for this in the precious and mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Very good, beloved. So this morning, we're going to look at a message entitled, The Word of God. And this is the first of a series that's going to be about three months long. And it's going to work in conjunction with your growth groups. Okay? So I already said that. But as you've picked up your book, it would be a great idea for you to read the introduction, for you to read chapter 1 and 10. I'm sure you're going to be hearing a lot from your growth group leaders, letting you know uh, when you get together your first meeting, you're going to have an opportunity to discuss what we talk about here on Sunday morning, and you're also going to have an opportunity to discuss what you've read, chapters 1 and 10 from the book. You're not going to have time to discuss everything, so really what, we're, what your commitment to the growth group is, your growing is not going to happen at the growth group. Your growing is going to happen at church, at home, as you read, as you pray, as you fellowship, and then your growth group is going to fly. It's going to go by really fast because there are several things that we want to do there. And so you're not going to have a chance to, to explore everything and talk about everything, especially as you read the book. You're going to see that it's, it's very deep, a lot of scripture in there. So uh, it's going to be just a snippet. So you're going to have to be responsible for your own growth, but the group is there to support you. So let me take, let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, which is where I want to base this message from. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, and I want to share three points out of this portion here. 2 Timothy is written by Paul, and he's writing to a young pastor who has a pretty important and uh, seemingly overwhelming, at times, responsibility to lead a church as a young man in Ephesus. And he writes to him, and here he's talking to him about the Word of God, and so Listen to Paul, the aged one, the experienced one, talking to a young preacher about the word of God. And he says, 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 17. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, 
And if you read the verses before, he's talking about false teachers, but he says, but you, but he's making a contrast. He says, but you have followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which have happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I don't want to talk too much about that, but sometimes people say, like, I'm following the Lord, I'm doing my best, so why am I going through hardship? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Very interesting. Some of these people that are out there deceiving are themselves deceived. Verse 14, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Listen to this, that the man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In case you're wondering, Mike, so what's the deal with the spiritual growth? Okay, so I'm coming to church, you're asking me to commit to spiritual growth. Like, why do I want to be spiritually mature? Well, verse 17 is probably one of the best and clearest verses. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for what? For every good work. And we go back to Ephesians 2.10, which we just reviewed a couple of months ago. The word saying that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then in 3.20, just basically saying in Ephesians that the church is here to glorify God. So my main point this morning, the word of God is his gift to us that we may live for his glory. Sometimes I take for granted that people understand that the Bible is really important. Until I have certain conversations with certain people and they tell me their experiences at certain churches or a conversation that I had a while back uh, when I was still teaching at, at, uh, at BGI and um, this person, who shall remain anonymous, I'm talking to them, they, they tell me they're in the faith and at that time I was attending... Um, uh, I, was, I was attending, or I had just attended Talbot Theological Seminary for a little bit, and, and she, goes, she goes, oh, you're one of those, those theology people. But she said it like with a smirk, like putting down theology and thinking like, what do you mean? And, and because of where she comes from, they're taught that, you know, you don't have to be in the Word. You have to be sensitive to the Spirit, and He's going to guide you. And you're going to feel him. I have nothing against the Holy Spirit, all right? But if you're going to tell me that you're going to neglect the word or look down on theology or doctrine, the stud- theology is just a study of God, the gaining of knowledge about God through his revealed word. You can't look down on that. Or doctrine is just teaching, teaching biblical teaching. And so if you're going to tell me that you're going to neglect doctrine or theology and just rely on the Spirit's work and leading, you're deceiving yourself. 
you are deceived. You want God to speak to you? His revealed word is right here. Jesus tells the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. You want to know Jesus? Know the word. You don't know the word? You don't know Jesus. You know some Jesus, but not Jesus of the Bible. You have to be very careful. And so I don't want to take for granted. I want to tell you, the Bible is super valuable. This is God's living, perfect, complete word of God. So the word of God is his gift to us that we may live for his glory. So I'm looking at a lot of young people. What's the best thing you can do? Be in the word. I see a lot of husbands. What's the best thing you can do? Be in the word. I see a lot of wives. Be in the word. Grandmas, be in the word. And when you read chapter 10, especially of the book, it's going to tell you, don't just read the word, which is also what I'm saying. Don't think that, oh, I've read the word 20 times already. Cover to cover. Has it transformed you? Have you submitted your will to it? Have you become obedient to it? Is it yielding fruit in your life? Are you resembling Christ more and more? So God's word is his gift to us that we may live for his glory. Um, Let's get right into it. I'm going I'm to share three points, and all three points are going to basically fill this phrase. God's word is essential because through it, point number one, we receive new life. Through it, through the word, we receive new life. So when we say that it's the living word of God, part of what it does and has power to do is to give life. So let me share some verses with you. Don't take my word for it. We just read 2 Timothy 3.15. It says, And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, the word itself, the letters and the ink on these pages are not what give life. It's the message. It's the gospel message. And so Paul tells Timothy, and he, he reminds him that since he was, Beloved, I'm so grateful that I grew up in church. I'm so grateful that I grew up in church because, and because I, I grew up knowing the scriptures. I must have been four. I knew songs. I knew that Jesus loved me, and I knew that he had died for me. I love that. That from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus As you read the word, you gain faith to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Listen to Galatians chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, the law, keep in mind when Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says that all scripture, by this time, talking about maybe the 60s AD, some of the books, like uh, maybe Book of Mark, some of the early books like Galatians have been written, but for the most part, he's alluding to the Old Testament. He's saying the Old Testament... And he might be talking about some of the early apostles' writings, but for the most part, he's alluding to the Old Testament. He's saying the Old Testament is what testifies of me, Jesus says in in John 5, 39. And so the whole scripture is able to lead you to faith in Christ Jesus for salvation. So Galatians 3, 24 says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Beloved, nobody is justified through the works of the law. Romans and Galatians talk about that. James talks about that. 
Nobody is justified by the works of the law, meaning you could take a look at the Bible, look at all the commandments, not just the ten, but let's just, even if you just took a look at the ten commandments, and even if, which you are not, even if you were able to completely, perfectly obey all ten commandments, that would not lead you to salvation. That would not earn you salvation, because then it would be salvation through works instead of faith in Christ. Now, you're going to hear me say things like that a lot, and some of you in your mind, you're thinking like, Mike, but that's dangerous. Well, what about the Bible? It says that we should, of course, we should obey the word, and of course, we should obey the commandments. My this, this distinction I'm trying to make is that nobody, nobody's going to get to heaven by saying, I was a good person. And I say that because all of us innately are born with that idea that we're all good people. And next week, Mother's Day, you know what moms say? I'm amazed. I'm watching the news, and there's this horrific criminal activity. And then they interview the mom of the criminal, and she says what? You know, he was hanging around the wrong crowd. But my boy is a good boy. He's a good man. The Bible says otherwise about us, just in case we didn't know. All right? But it says, therefore... The, so the law, the Ten Commandments, and all the law of the Old Testament and the New Testament ultimately were a tutor, a guide to lead us and let us know of our need of a Savior. Isn't that interesting? See, you look at the ten, just Ten Commandments, and you realize soon enough, if you're honest with yourself, you can't meet that perfect standard of mora- God's morality. You can't. And you should try But then it's going to lead you to a point where you realize, man, this law is too much for me. I can't bear it. There's no way that I can comply with all this law perfectly. Because if you mess up one part of the law, you're guilty of all. And the Jews knew that. And so everybody should come to the same conclusion. As much as you want to try to be saved by your own works, you realize you can't. And that leads you then to your only hope which is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so the law was our tutor. It taught us to become dependent and to seek a Savior, which is our Lord Jesus. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Romans 5.1 says, we have, therefore, we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We have peace with God because we've been justified through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the big question becomes, all right, so sounds like faith is really important, right? Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. How do I get my hands on faith? And what does it have to do with the word of God? Last verse I want to share with you here is Romans 10.17. I love this verse. This verse is so important. Romans 10, 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word is alive. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so as we hear the word of God preached and taught, it gives us the faith. It awakens us. It illuminates our mind. It convicts us of our sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it leads us to conclude that on my own, I'm in big trouble. But then I learned through the preaching of the gospel that there's one 
that took my place at the cross. And through the teaching of the word, we realize that we can put our faith and our trust in him, and we can come to him and surrender our lives and say, Lord, I am guilty, and I've tried, and I can't do it on my own. I need you. Would you forgive me? Would you take my heart? Would you give me new life? And all of that is going to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. But how, Mike? Well, I just read John 3, and the Lord himself would say, don't worry, that's not for you to figure out. The Holy Spirit does his work, and it's like the wind. You hear it comes from, you kind of sense where it's going, but nobody really knows where it comes from and where it's going. So is the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to being born again. So don't try to, you know, just give me the one, two, three, A, B, C, and, and let's get it done kind of a thing. It's surrendering. It's the word of God penetrating our mind and our heart, breaking us down to the point where we realize I am spiritually bankrupt, and yet God, through his son Jesus and what he did at the cross, offers me everything, including forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. That is the gospel, beloved. And it comes through the preaching of the word. And that's what your unbelieving friends need to hear. Hmm. All of us have people around us in our circles of influence that don't know this truth. Maybe mock this truth. That maybe it seems foolishness to them. And that's where, that's where our convictions, our commitment, and our example come into play. We get to adorn the gospel. Uh, we don't want to be stumbling blocks to people. We don't want to tell people that we're Christians and then they see us and they scratch their head thinking like, you? What do you mean? Is that what Christians do? Is that how Christians behave? Is that how Christians treat their wives? Is that how Christians treat their kids? Is that how Christians, you know, behave at work? Is that how Christians play sports? Whatever. And we're not going to save anyone, but God wants to use us and we want to be an example to people around us of God's love. Our unbelieving friends need to hear the gospel. And so what we want to do, we want to be in prayer, and we want to seek opportunities to, to show them the gospel and to share the gospel with them. All right, point two. So God's word is essential because through it we receive new life. And point number two, we know uh, God's word is essential because through it we know of God's love. We know of God's love. And let me say this first. I wasn't say at the end, but I would imagine we all go through seasons where um, we doubt God's love. We find it difficult to see in our circumstances how it is that, that there is an omnipotent, loving God up there and everywhere. And yet, look at my life kind of circumstance. And how do we remedy that? I say we get back to the word. you got to get back to the word because through it, through the word of God, we know of God's love. Let me read a couple of verses to you. And by the way, a while back we went through a KMG event in, um, I forgot where it was. But Pastor Jeff Vines, a uh, very good teacher, he talked about how there is a place where, where pastors and church leaders go as a retreat when they're burned out, maybe when they've messed up somehow, uh, and falling into sin, and their churches send them there, or they voluntarily go. 
And so you have like ministry leaders, pastors and whatever. They go to that place for like recovery. <clears throat> and he was talking to the head person from that place. And the head person from that place, after you know, counseling and all that, knowing these everybody's situations, he goes, You know, Jeff, what it comes down to, and I think this is very profound. He goes, what it comes down to, even these pastors, lead ministry leaders, and all these spiritually important people, quote unquote, <clears throat> he says, what it all comes down to is these people have a hard time believing that God loves them, period. It all comes down to that. Does God love you or not? And beloved, I would bid to you, I would submit to you, that's such an essential question that you have to wrestle with if you need to wrestle with it and get to the point where you surrender and admit that God loves you. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Isaiah 54.10, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, death, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When and if we begin to doubt God's love, you need but to get back to the word and exercise faith and trust. And even when you can't feel it, even when you can't see it, even when it doesn't make sense, God loves you. My third point, speaking of the word of God. God's word is essential because through it, number one, we receive new life. Number two, we know God's love. And point number three, we learn how to live. We get new life, we see God's love, and we learn how to live. How then shall we live? Now that I am a follower of Christ, how should I live? And if we want shortcuts, it's not going to happen, right? You can go online and Google and say, how should I live now that I've been baptized? And you might get like a list of ten things, just do one, two, three. And that might be helpful. But I'll tell you, there's no shortcuts in the Christian life. The Lord said, you want to follow me? Pick up your cross daily. Deny yourself, yourself and follow me. That's not an easy thing. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple in knowing what to do. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we read that at the beginning. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. I believe this is the NLT version. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to what to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the question is, how then shall I live? The word of God has the answer. It'll teach us what to stay away from and what to do. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, uh, it says, 
For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, Paul says to the Colossians. Because my prayer to you, for you, is that you continue to grow in the word of God and through it you will gain wisdom so that you can learn how to live your life as a Christian. And we have to be obedient. You know, when, when God says something, we, we do it. When he says not to do it, then we don't do it. And you'll see that it only gets complicated when we choose to not do what he tells us to do or to not do what he does ask us to do. I'll end with this. Exodus chapter 20. You guys know what that, what's in there? Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. You might think, like, Mike, I don't know, I don't know how to live. Like, I'm, I'm new in the faith. I mean, here's a, here's a one through ten list, okay? This list does work. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. That means God is your priority. And not just number one as in number two is also pretty good. I don't know if you've ever been number two in something. He's really saying, like, you should have no other gods in my presence, anywhere around me. He's not just saying, like, oh, God is first in my life, because second is, could be pretty good as well. You shall make no idols. Oh, boy. That means you don't devote anything or give value to anything other than God or above God. You shall not take the name of the Lord of God in vain. That means you reverence and respect his name, his character. You keep the Sabbath day holy. That means you make time for God and you rest in what he's done. You honor your father and your mother. You don't murder. You don't commit adultery. You don't steal. You don't bear false witness against your neighbor and you don't covet. You could do a sermon on each one of these, of course. But I just wanted to, you know, a little taste. What I'm saying is you want to know how to live? You got to get in the word. And that way you don't have to worry about like, oh, you don't have to tell me. Who are you to tell me how to live? I'm like, okay, well, then read the word. It'll tell you how to live. All right? But we're also here to help each other. I'll end it with that. All that to say, the word of God is God's gift to us that we may live for God's glory. We can live for God's glory apart from the word of God. Knowing it, studying it, uh, memorizing it, sharing it, obeying it, being doers of it. So God's word is essential because through it we receive new life, we know God's love, and we learn how to live our life as Christians. I hope you have a great time of growing in your growth group this week. Gracious Father, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for the blessing that we get to enjoy your word, your living, powerful, wonderful word. We pray that you would help us to value it as we should and seek you as we study the word. We pray for our growth groups, our growth group members, our growth group leaders this week. Uh, we ask for your guidance and help and your blessing, Father. We ask that you would dismiss us in the precious and wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.